welcome to the Underneath the Hat podcast. I am your host, educator, author, and entrepreneur, Sheree Simmons. And I'm so excited that you have joined us for the conclusion of our Truth Hurts series, where we are focusing on church hurts. For the last couple of weeks, we have heard from first ladies, uh, pastors' wives, associate or administrative assistants, um, associate ministers. And today we're going to conclude our series of Church Hurt with a parishioner who was very active in different ministries. I wanted to do this podcast in general because we all wear different hats. And as we wear those hats, whether it's a mother, father, sister, brother, husband, wife, co-worker, best friend, we have things that we deal with underneath the hat that we don't always talk about. And one of the core foundations of the Black culture is the church. And so many of us have stories of times when we were hurt within the walls of the church, not by our Savior himself, but by the people who should act a certain way based on how we were raised inside the church. And so I wanted to use this platform to give people an opportunity to tell their story, tell their truth, tell their testimony, because I've learned in going through the things that I've been through that when I opened my mouth and shared, I didn't realize that I was helping someone else in the process. So as I always say, one person's testimony can be another person's breakthrough. So this allows for people to share their testimony in order to help someone else go a little further and realize that they're not by themselves. So let's jump right in with our guest, Miss Jasmine Williams. Hi, good afternoon. Well, evening. <laughs> Hi, Jasmine. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm good. Well, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. So let's jump right on in. <laughs> So won't you tell our listening audience something a little bit about yourself? Okay, so my name is Jasmine Williams. I am an entrepreneur um, here in Chicago, Illinois, Southside. I am the owner of a cleaning service, and I am also um, a student at IMS Illinois Media School. It's radio, TV, and broadcasting. I'm learning um, how to build a brand, everything behind the CV, the radio, uh, production, uh, websites, anything you name it, uh, media-wise, content-wise, I'm learning how to do that. Um, also, and so far as like my background and, you know, relationship in the church, um, I've been in the church pretty much all of my life. I was born and raised like in Starlight St. James Missionary Baptist Church on the south side of Chicago. I um, accepted Christ at the age of uh, 13. And um, from there, I was on the praise dance team, the choir, um, the youth ministry. I have conducted um, plays, uh, recitals, anything you can name it. Um, I have done it pretty much inside of the church. I've assisted on counting money with the finance team, um, with ministry leaders, um, anything in the church. I've basically just being proactive and pretty much did that um from starlight after college i went on to um another church new israelite here also on the south side of chicago and from there 
I currently don't have a church home or a pastor, and I'm not looking for one. I'm not in a rush to find one. My main focus is really building a real, raw, and authentic relationship with God. Okay. So let's jump right on in. We're here to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I allow my guests to start wherever they want. So do you want to start with um, the good first, the bad, or the ugly of being a parishioner, an active member of the church? Um, I would like, I would start. Let's start with the good, um, because it gets ugly. I don't I don't believe that my whole experience, like with church and the pastors and everything, it never got good. So like better. <laughs> but um, I would say like growing um up in the church is pretty much um. Like from the age of nine, I started off on a praise dance team that was under Reverend Irvin L. Barrett, who was the pastor at the time. It was a mm -hmm. praise dance team. So with it, I would definitely say if it wasn't for like my mother, my aunt, and you know, my grandmother, they stayed on me about, you know, going to church, about having a relationship with God. That was something they instilled in me. But also what I picked up, it was able to build like relationships with other young men and women that was within my age. Because during that time, it was at least about like 25 of us. It was a lot, a lot of like, you know, children and youth that was in the church that you don't see now today. And, um, we were able just to build those relationships, carry them on, even still up now. Some of us, you know, still communicate. I'm not gonna even say some of us, but most of us who went to that church during that time that was young, we all still communicate with each other. So, you know, good relationships came from going to church. Also, uh discipline, understanding, you know, who God is for yourself or just even being a part of something like you know you say you want to do something you got to have your name on it like when it came down to those recitals each one of us like had a part or a dance move or had to be on the song or we wasn't on the song and we had you know dress rehearsal so it was just accountability and discipline like at a young age that was instilled in me from the church that i can carry on you know into college and basically into the rest of my life and then the last thing that i would say that was um good also about it was just um the pray the prayer life like you know actually like seeking and getting to know god for yourself because you know from younger you have to have your bible out when the pastor is reading you have your bible out so that you can follow along with him but most importantly just understanding how to pray during hard times because i just remember my freshman year of college it was just a different phase for me because i had you know you're transitioning from childhood into adulthood and for so long you know all my life i was supervised and you know and going on to campus it was really like nobody was there to to hold you accountable and i had to learn how to hold myself accountable you know during those times and it was like really hard for me but one thing i did know that i stay consistent with which i still do is just you know praying and trying to be in the word Hello, i totally understand where you're coming from because I grew up in the church. I was in a church since I was 10 years old. And 
to go from being a praise dancer in the choir. We had acolytes in our church. My church growing up was a little backwards. They didn't know if they wanted to be Catholic or what. So we had acolytes and we lit the candles at the beginning of every service. And we, oh my God, I was on every committee you could have possibly been on. I tell my mother all the time, I've been a part of every ministry. And you and I know each other from Starlight. So mm -hmm. I've been the first lady. I've been a deaconess. I've been an usher. I've been a praise dance. I've sang in the choir. I've done everything but preach and count money. So I totally understand of growing up in the church and having to deal with those different people and those different attitudes and personalities and relationships. So I totally understand. So for those who may be looking at my background and wondering what the hell happened, uh, <laughs> my phone wasn't charging like it's supposed to. So thank God for Jasmine talking. I was able to move some stuff around so that I wouldn't have to start us over again. So let's get to the not so nice part of church hurt. What would you say has been the worst part or some of the bad things that have happened to you inside of the church? Um, ooh, I would say the worst part of it all, I would say it was um pretty much the last pastor that mm -hmm. I had experienced. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I would say, honestly, well, coming to think about it now, the worst part of it all was when um I was like at Starlight and it was basically like, it was a lot of the calling out in front of the congregation. But the worst, worst part of it all was during the transition of my mother. Uh, my mother passed away back in September of 2014, September 12, 2014. And you know, the out of, you know, the cancer that she lost to. So pretty much um, during that transition, but even that, you know, the funeral, the boy that I was dating at the time, you know, he went to the back um, to give me some tissue, you know, some water and stuff, you know, it was just real intense time. I'm saying that my mother's funeral. And wow. during that time, and then Pastor Bradford, as he, you know, basically walked up to him and was like, I don't know how you could do it. I couldn't be dating her. And I was like, I mean, I didn't find this out the same day of the funeral, you know, luckily. Because sometimes I'm not going to lie. I can go, I start at 100 and then go to zero. I'm not the person that's going to go from zero to 100. I'm going to start at 100, then bring it out. So I'm like, you know, that was a blessing that I didn't find out because that was just a super, I don't know what I would have did for that. So just to find that out was like, wow. Like, you know, here you have, you know, a family that's sitting here. Not only these people are part of your church, but, you know, we're young. I was 23. We were younger. And he's seen what we have been through from April all the way down to September. You know, that's not something that you would say. That was just, you know, on a professional level because we still have to understand that pastors are employed by churches. They're not just like, oh, they come in, we vote them in. No, they're actually employed. Some of them are on payroll. And he is one of those pastors that's on payroll. So that was just, you know, unprofessional. And then, too, from like a spiritual standpoint, because 
what he also didn't know about this boy that I was dating at the time, that like one of our biggest conflicts that we used to have with amongst us, I want him to be in church. I'm like, you know, I want you to get a relationship with God. I want you to come to church. I want you, you know, just try it out. Just come in here. So that was really discouraging to him for somebody, for a pastor to walk up to you and to address you about your girlfriend at her mother's funeral. That just put a sour taste in his mouth. It didn't even want him really to have nothing to do with church at all. And you know, just and I was just like, wow. So, um, and I would say after that, because it was like another, I kind of say almost like that was like with my recent uh, pastor, she often like, um, I made like because politics, I'm really into politics and stuff and follow the news and everything. And it's just like a lot of controversy and things that I had posted online about Obama and stuff. Now, here's the whole thing. You know, he things the spiritual gifts that were within me that he was supposed to be training me on. We were supposed to have a conversation about me depicting, you know, Jonah one he had gave me a assignment because he had believed I was called free. Or, you know, it's like, okay, well, you're doing this. I've been praying to God, talking about this. So I'm just, you know, go out on faith and not just believe what I'm seeing now or the things that about myself. So, you know, never really could meet. One time that we did meet, he told me he'll call me back, but then he didn't call me back. And then here I am on Facebook, and now he's up under my posting he's addressing me about some stuff and i'm like hey well how do you have time to be on facebook but you don't have time to call me back to minimum me so then it just went back there and i guess he told me he wanted to get again on but this wasn't until after i was just like and it was like back and back and forth with me for like out and i'm just like wow like you know, I'm not saying that I'm right all in this situation. Like you know, should have walked through the like, okay, now I see this for what it is. You know, it's turning real negative. Let me turn around. But it was just like I was really baffled and shocked because I'm like, here you are. I can't even get a full conversation out of you. But yet you can go back and forth with me on Facebook for like hours, and then he even went as far as post screenshots of our you know private conversations with me asking him about you know counseling and all those things and I'm like oh well those different days I'm talking about the times when you know you calling me about my spiritual gifts or discernment that you see in me versus me calling you about something that's personal and for guidance and for counseling sessions which you know so that's we not supposed to do this so I'm like, oh, now you're going off into the defense. So I'm just like, you know, with pastors, even with Pastor uh, Barrett, because it just went, it's just a tumbleweed. Like, I mean, from just a younger age, I would see stuff that was going on, and it would just be like, I never really, the church never really sat right with me in my spirit, even and I feel like God has been exposing things and showing me things and now but with him talking about me and my mother's friends going back and forth from me Facebook I don't know <laughs> honestly which one was worse yeah that that is definitely uh, a lot um and that's my thing we we so often we're taught we're trained let's just tell the truth 
we're trained to hold pastors to a certain level, to put them basically on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. And we forget that they are man and woman too. Mm -hmm. They make mistakes too. They have things that they preach about us in order for us to heal and be better in that they haven't even healed yet. And so we so often we see these men and women standing behind these pulpits and we see them as godlike <laughs> when they're just as broken as we are. Exactly. And, and some of them are so accustomed and love the, the spotlight and the limelight that comes with being in that position. Because I said in one of my first episodes when I was speaking to another first lady, I said, you're like celebrities. First ladies and pastors are celebrities. You get certain seats. They call you when you enter. People come and, and adore all over you. You get to sit at the head table. You get certain parking spots. You get a certain selected seat in the church. Like people know who you are and they respect you in your position, even if you're not worthy of their respect. And so we have so many people in these roles as pastor that aren't ready for the role because they haven't healed themselves. And mm -hmm. you and I both grew up in church. We always see them say some were called and some just come. Some were <laughs> called to be pastor and to preach and some just came because they liked what they saw other people getting in those roles. So what would you say if you could say anything to any of the pastors that have hurt you in the past, what is something that you would say to them? Um honestly, uh step down. That I'm I'm not gonna even lie, the first thing that came to mind with you even asking that question is to step down because mm -hmm. and i'm not seeing that based off of the hurt that they have caused me but this is just on like a whole like spectrum like diagram you know you look at the other people who's coming in and out of the church and it's just like you know god god he's tired he's not playing with his church anymore and like uh um, you know if i'm learning to walk you know with my truth and be accepted to the things that god tell me and, you know you know safe in what i'm saying that well a lot of people for one don't think about my generation is that we're not looking for the church we're looking for god yeah I'm tired of the circus you know the you know, because like how I say, the church to me is just like a circus. Is you know, you got the urchins are the ticket masters, the pastors are the ringleaders, the deacons are the yes. I'm calling because they sit there, they giggle, they the yes man to the pastor, while also you know, looking at women and you know, all these other things, kind of shit. So it's just that you know, from what they have, but I say step down and get show. It's not. Oh, please step down and take a break and get your mind right, your right, and get your relationship with God right. Because mm. God is not playing with His church anymore. Because obviously, if you can't see that the church had to close during the pandemic, 
when this pandemic happened and the church doors had to close, I looked around on a Sunday for the first time ever back in April, you know, February, March, when everything starts to shut down. And I see, I was like, oh, God's trying to say something. Like, he's really trying to And I'm just looking at these people like, you're not understanding that. Look how many souls you are posting by the hurt that you're causing. Look how many, if you would, you know, look up under the church, how many dead souls How many dead souls are still coming and sitting on the pulpits every Sunday? You can have a mother who's on the motherboard can be sitting for 45 years old just because she confessed out her mouth that she was saved, but she really not even saving her spirit. Yeah. You know, yeah. And if you even want to take it historically or, you know, really, really context, they actually used to do surgery within the church. You know, history it's like there isn't any real healing going on and these pastors have to be held accountable. If we can bring, if we are okay with a pastor bringing a 16-year-old girl in front of the church and making her apologize to the congregation about the mistake that she made, getting pregnant, you know, before marriage, then why isn't it okay for us to call out these pastors for the things that they're doing, which is also hurting the congregation. Because like I said, a lot of them are not ready. Because still, to this day, one of the biggest things, you know, that we battle with is sex. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, they'll tell you, oh, don't have sex, ways to marriage, and, you know, do this, this, and when you face with this temptation, what do you do? You know, how do you combat, you know, this sin while also living in this world and still fighting these demons? You're not going to just keep sitting up here feeding me the same scriptures and fluff. I need to know what you're doing and how you're doing it so that I can, you know, doing it better. Because telling me just to pray to God and, you know, and just read my word is not enough because still at the same time, though, it don't seem we still keep seeing scandals after scandals pop up. So obviously praying to God and, you know, read is something, you know, where's the personal application coming in at? Where's mm-hmm. the actual accountability? And I just mm-hmm. feel like, you know, at times like this, like, you know, you've done wrong and you know that you're not leading your congregation into the right direction and that you all are struggling even financially. If your church is struggling spiritually, if you lose a people after people the same thing keep popping up about you and people keep saying it's time for you to step down it's time for you to do a reevaluation and step away and be like you know i'm gonna take a break and get yourself together because like you know you're accountable for us god at the end of the day god is still going to hold you accountable for me what you said to me for what you said to any other member in the church mm-hmm. yeah that's the one thing that's missing is transparency and integrity. Our our level of integrity just as a culture is kind of non-existent. Like we are so worried about what people see and we don't care about the way that we carry ourselves and how we're acting when no one's watching. It seems just like you said, perfect analogy. I never thought of the, the church as a circus, but it really is. And so many of us have been so used to putting on masks and putting on makeup and jumping all around and acting a fool, acting like a Sambo since it's Black History Month. 
acting like Sambo and, and dancing around like Mr. Bojangles is, is just too much. We're not authentic in who we really are. And we wear these masks. And then when we react a certain way, it shocks everybody because that's not the person you portrayed yourself to be. And you have a lot of pastors and members of the church who think they have to act a certain way because we were trained you act a certain way. You have to do this. You have to wear that. You can't say that. And that's the religious part of church. But mm -hmm. like you said, now the millennials and the, the what do they call that? Generation Z. You all are looking for a relationship. And I can admit when I was growing up and when I was being trained on how to act like a first lady and what I should and should not do, that was a religion. It was a certain way I had to act, certain way I had to sit, certain things I could and could not say, certain places I could and could not do because of the position I had. But once I removed myself from those people, and started reading for myself and studying for myself and realizing that I can have a relationship with God and don't have to follow all these rules and he'll still love me mm -hmm. because I'm opening my heart up to him. And I was thinking about that this, this week, um, Jasmine, I had a crazy dream and God just started talking to me about relationships and how the relationship that we have with him is the same as if we're in a relationship with another person. We have to communicate with him through prayer. We show him affection and adoration, just like we be hugged up on our boo. We need to be hugged up, talking and showing God that we love him too. And then we need to realize that we have to be able to compromise. We're not gonna get everything we want from him. Our significant other doesn't always say everything and do everything the way we want them to do it. But we still mm -hmm. love him. And so we need to start treating our relationship with God the same way we treat our relationship with our significant other. You allow for them to pass on certain things because they don't do it the way you want them to, but you don't fall out of love with them. Mm -hmm. You still love them, even when you shouldn't. And we've all loved them. We shouldn't have loved. We still love them even because we're in a relationship with them. Some of us check our significant other's phones and text messages. We can tell where they are, where they being on social media, but we never pick up the Bible. That's God's phone. Mm -hmm. And we need to check it. So we just need to change our mindset of how we grew up, of it being a list of rules, and then just start having a relationship with God. And everybody's relationship is different. I can talk to God about certain things that I can't talk to other people about. You talk to God one way that may be different from the way I talk to him. But he has his own relationship with everybody. And we yes. get jealous when we see one person getting blessed because it's not being we're not being blessed the same way. But everybody loves differently. There's mm -hmm. a certain, I don't know if you ever heard of this book called The Five Love Languages mm -hmm. where everybody loves differently. You either need affirmation, you need physical touch, you need acts of service, you need uh, quality time, or um, I forget what the other one is. I always forget the other one, but it's five of them. And everybody loves differently, and God knows that. So he's not going to show me he loves me the same way he's going to show me, show you that he loves you. So we need to start having a better relationship with him 
the same way we have our regular relationships because some of those same qualities that we have with our significant others, our parents, our siblings, our best friends, some of those same things we deal with in that relationship, we need to deal with in our relationship with him. And we'll see the fruits of our labor based on how we treat him. We can't expect to get all these things back from him or we give him nothing. Just like we can add when our significant other, I do all this stuff for you and you can't even do what I ask you to do. So imagine how God feels when he does all this stuff for you and you don't do anything for him. Exactly. It's the same thing. It's It's the same, yeah. And I believe that stems from, like, you know, the dynamics of the home. Like, I believe everything really starts at home. If you don't know how to have a relationship with the people around you, or even if they wasn't really taught how to have a relationship with God, then that's just what it's going to be. You're going to keep, you know, the same cycles, the same generation, the same things just over and over. But I don't believe, like, I believe it's ending with us, you know, with the millennials and the generation um, ZX. But um, it's just in it. And I'm happy for it. And I'm actually happy, Mm -hmm. like, the pandemic happened because that's what a lot of people, it's like the relationship. At the end of the day, I felt like we focused too much on the building, the physical building too much that we forgot that we're supposed to be building people up. And like how you say, everybody wanted to wear this mask. You don't go into the hospital and say the hospital is an emergency room. You know, and a lot of people even abuse that. That's basically like life and death, dire need. You going in there, you know something is wrong with you. You don't when you're getting a checkup and stuff like that. That's you go to your doctor, you know, a clinic and stuff. You know, and it's the same thing. The church is just like a hospital. You say, you know, if you know you in dire need, you're not gonna walk up in the church and just sit there and be quiet, you know, and not get the help with you just passing in and out and you're not getting help like what's the point of coming just like what's the point of going into the hospital you're not going to walk up in the hospital and just go there if nothing is wrong with you i'm not you know understanding that and even if you know a lot of people are still babies in christ and yeah. you don't admit that even when you're at 45 years old and you've been in church all your life, but you're still a baby in Christ because you're not getting properly uh, nourished and fed. You know, God said, come to me, you know, and I'll feed you. This is the bread, you know, and water for life. You ain't going to never thirst again because you're feeding on his work. What you don't take in is just as important as what you do take in. And a lot of people, you know, don't understand it and forget. And even for you just to sit there and listen to these pastors, it's not enough. Right. A lot of them put their own like stories and analogies in there and then they'll go back to the scripture you know a couple of times but if you actually sit there and pay attention to what these pastors are coming them that said the same story you like at least like three four times i'm like you talked about this story in the last sermon and i remember this last sermon all i know i'm guessing like oh i know what he's about to say he's about to put this story in uh about when he was a little boy and i just like come on now like you know really like, are you even and truthfully a lot of pastors won't even sit down and tell you like no you ain't been preparing for your sermon all week you just opened up the bible last night and you picked out something reviewed it prayed over it, or you probably even open it up today and just freestyle 
And that's mm -hmm. why if you really sit here and just pay attention, and that's why I'm like, no, you know, I got to get to know God, you know, for myself. And a lot of them mm -hmm. even still, they don't want to even step up to the plate for the challenge because what we're questioning now is like, we can't ignore our history and still accept, you know, the Bible and, you know, Jesus, how you're feeding it to us at the same time. We right. have questions and they don't even want to ask those questions. For most of my life, I believe that I couldn't question God. That mm -hmm. I couldn't know, ask God anything that I had to just accept everything and not question him. Like, oh, as if I wasn't good enough, you know, to question him. And the moment that I started questioning God, God said, I will answer you back. It ain't a thing that I haven't asked God that God ain't show me, but it was all up to me to go out. And you know, because I'm like, you know, I didn't understand with Jesus. I'm like, you know, he died on the cross for our sins and all this. I just had so many questions. I'm like, you know, but God, this was not history. I'm black, you know, and he questions for me. He right. helped you understand that that's your brother in Christ. And he had an assignment on his life, and an assignment on his life was to die for everybody's sins. Just like you got an assignment on your life that you need to do that's probably going to be for thousands and millions of people that you don't even know. That was right. his assignment. And you know, just be grateful that he did his assignment because if he had it, you don't know, you know, because of the sins that you have done. And I just really don't believe it. I just feel like, yeah, it's all about your relationship. You know, with God, like the real authentic, like how you said, it's just like having a relationship with a significant other. You know, uh, even guys, it's going to be like a mother and daughter or a father and daughter relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, we got that. We did the good, we did the bad. <laughs> now, the ugly. What would you say has been the ugliest moment that you've had inside the church that caused the hurt? Um, I would say the ugliest moment was when um, I went to the pastor, Pastor Bradford at the time. Um, this was 2019, I believe I had. And the thing was, like, the thing is, well, I started having dreams. Like, after my mother passed away, like, a couple of months later, I just started having these, like, real vivid dreams. And I was just like, okay, you know, maybe I'm just stressing a lot. I know I'm grieving. And, you know, I'm just tripping out these some dreams. But then I started have dreams where I'm like, you know, I'm talking to God. Like one specific dream that I actually remember is, you know, I was in church, I was praise dancing, and it was nighttime. The church looked like the old way, and then I started uh spinning, like you know, uh spinning out, you know, when you praise dancing. And as I was spinning to the back of the church, I ended up in like the attic part, like the breezeway part, up to the praise dance room. But it looked as if I was like outside. And it was like the star, you know, just full of stars and everything. And it was a man there sweeping and he had on blue jeans and, you know, I, but you couldn't tell the man's face or anything. And I was talking to him. I believe this man was God. And, you know, he had asked me like, you know, 
give me one or two reasons why you should be uh praise dancing by yourself because i believe like praise dancing is super super sacred you know because you're using your body to uh offer praise and to worship to god and so so it's really sacred to me out of anything and so before i even knew it you know he was like um I'm telling you now, get those lust demons off of you and cover yourself with a veil. And it was just like one of those dreams, like, wow, like you instantly woke up. And even after that, I even had dreams where encounters where entities, um, they have came true. I almost lost my life when I was in Arkansas. And I had a dream about this man before I even went there. But the thing is, the man was just black of a silhouette and i couldn't tell who he was but god allowed me after all that went on to remember that i had this dream about him so when i went to the pastor and i had told him pastor bradford he told me he was like you know dreams are just dreams and i was like wait what like you know and just imagine if you've been having these dreams for you know years and i'm like no these dreams can't, you know, just be dreams that even just to have him to smirk and laugh and know all the other things when I knew it, I was like, okay, like, nah, this ain't my cup. It's not the pastor that I'm supposed to be up under because I know God has given me, giving me these dreams for a reason. So I moved on to the other church and, you know, and I started to have these dreams and the pastor understood where I was coming from that even if so, you know, that I'm showing you something it was just like my gifts wasn't nurtured. My gifts wasn't and that scared me. And that made me think, well, if you don't have a covering and if you don't have a pastor or a church home where you can feel safe and you can go to, then you're really out in a sense by yourself. You know, you don't have an army, you don't have, you know, nobody to go and confide in and talk to these things about where they can't understand. Like, you know, because I didn't tell my family about it or my brothers and sisters, and they just be like, oh, wow, you know, a little shocking, or they can tell me about some dreams they have. But as so far as somebody who's like on the upper level who has went to school or to school for this or really set under God's presence or you know God has ordained them to interpret I feel like I didn't have none of that around me. And it was like now I'm like I feel like I'm out here on the loose and nobody has been exposed to what the gifts I have inside of me and now it's time and now it's on the top and you know a spiritual internal battle because now I have to be smart and discernment like where are these thoughts coming from before I even just put them out there are these thoughts you know demonic or are they coming from God and not to have nobody to go and talk to about that and just to have to sit back and be like okay and pray like okay is this really God's voice or is it something else that has been like the most tough thing and the most hurtful thing like being lonely and experience has been you know the real uphill battle because I don't know that I can trust I don't know a church that I can trust or anybody I can go and sit up under and where I can present them my gifts and I know that they will take care of them and nurture them in the right way. That Now that has been the most hurtful things to me. Mm. So what would you say? I always believe that um, the things that we go through not only 
are they tests that we go through so we can have testimonies, but they're also lessons to be learned. So given all of the good, the bad, and the ugly that you shared with us today, what would you say has been one lesson that you've learned from it? Um, from all the good that that nothing lasts forever. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the things that um I tell my because I have dealt with like a lot of death, like even in the process of all of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, nothing lasts forever. And even with the people, you know, the relationships and the passes that I have set up under, and you think, you know, okay, this is the one that we're finna go somewhere. My relationship with God is going to get better. I'm finna grow, and all these other things, like you know, everything has an ending to it, and it's like you can't, you know, put your all. And that you got to understand that, you know, every relationship, everything that comes in your life has an expiration date to it. Mm-hmm. And you can't just put, you got to really just like lean on God and trust Him because I think that's what it's coming down to. Like, how much do you trust me? You don't have a pastor, you don't have a church, but more so, not how much do you trust me, but how much do you really want? Like, you know, I think that's really testing. It's like, you know, my faith and just trust and faith is pretty much the same thing, but just out there, like, how much do you really want me? Are you still going to read your Bible? Are you still going to make sure Sundays are for me and stuff that you're not working, you're not doing, that you're really dedicated and you're serious about this without having a pastor or somebody calling to check in on you? Right. Well, I definitely understand. Again, you know my story. You have read my book underneath the hat. And for those that haven't, please go check it out. Um, It definitely, that was definitely a moment in my life where my relationship with God changed. Uh, Once I wrote this book, I realized that I had been wearing a mask the whole time. Um, But I was also young. I was naive. I didn't know any better. I was trained a certain way. And it wasn't until I went through all that I mentioned in the book that I realized that God's been there with you the whole time. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do with these tests that he's put you through? And from that came the book. From the book came this podcast and other workshops and my mentoring program, which you have come and spoken to my girls for. So I'm, even though it hurt going through it, and there are some people out there that are hurting right now, going through some of the things that we mentioned, even some worse things that we mentioned today. But we're both here as testimonies to let you know you can get through it. It's going to hurt at first, trust me. But you can get through it because there is a reason that he chose you. That, I think that was a big lesson for me too. I realized just how much God loved me mm-hmm. because he allowed, he chose me. He knew it was something in me that I could deal with what he was giving me at that moment. Mm-hmm. And we both know of people who have gone through some of the same things and some things not even as hard as us and couldn't last. They didn't last, they broke. And mm-hmm. so it says a lot about us that he chose us because he knew we could handle it. And he knew we would do right with the testimony that followed the test. So 
I'm just happy that he cared enough about me to give me some of these trials. Lord knows they've been tough, but <laughs> I'm glad for the lessons that yes. I have learned from them and the person that I am now because of. So I want to thank you so much, Jasmine. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, I don't think we've ever had this deep conversation before. So good to see your growth and the church that both of us have now. And I'm excited for what's to come for you because I see that you understand things and you're not willing to question things that a lot of people are afraid to say something against. And I know from you using your voice, other people will hear it and start to critically think about things that they normally wouldn't question. So I want to thank you for allowing God to use you as a vessel and being that inspiration that other people need to see and hear. Thank you so much. Yes, um, it has. It's been scary. Um, uh, his spirit versus my flesh uh, podcast is where I'm hosting. Um, I will be having it out soon. And this is something that I definitely did in one of the episodes. I did call out the pastors because I'm like, you know, enough is enough. <laughs> I'm like, let's get the ball rolling. I'm, you all do it. Uh, it's your time. You know, it's your time because I'm like, it's scary. You know, to the point, and I even go into topics because a lot of things that we're seeing, you know, within the black community has stemmed from the black church. The black right. church used to be like the backbone, and I'm like, I never been one of those that's just going to sit back and take, you know, something that you're giving to me. I don't even eat meat. I'm a vegetarian, so I'm like, I know. No, I'm like, no. I take the vegetarian approach to life right. with everything. Like, you know, is this good for me? Do I want it? Is this what I do? And if it's not, no. And I'm just like, I'm ready for my people to heal, as in black people. And I know this is where we have to start within the church because it's not just a physical battle, but it's also a spiritual and, you know, mental battle too. And I'm like, we got to ask these tough questions, you know, homosexuality, um, rape, like all these things we need to start speaking up and questioning. So I definitely thank you for having me on and able to tell my story and to talk. Well, thank you so much for joining me, and I truly appreciate you being here. All right. Again, thank you so much to Jasmine. I will say the devil has really been busy because I've had to rearrange my whole house and fix stuff in my charger. My computer was about to die. My phone was acting up. Now my other computer has frozen. It's a lot going on. So if you see my little finger, it's because I'm doing it on my phone. But I am determined to make sure that people hear what needs to be heard. Um, because I truly believe that the devil was trying to stop a conversation that needed to be had today. But not here. Not today, Satan. So again, I want to thank Jasmine Williams for joining me and sharing her story of church hurt, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Thank you so much for supporting me these last few weeks as we discuss church hurt. 
I pray that you all have heard something that has helped you go a little bit further, last a little bit longer in dealing with the issues that you may have faced in dealing with church hurt. Even though we're wrapped up, our church hurt series is not too late. If you want to share your story, you can email me at underneath the hat at gmail.com. I will make room for you. God has given me this opportunity to be able to let people share their testimony. And even though it's not on my schedule, I will make room. So if you have a story that you want to share about any type of hurt, email me at underneath the hat at gmail.com. Uh, we've wrapped up our church hurt series. Next week, I'm excited because we are going to talk about family hurt. Hmm. So family hurt, siblings, parent-child relationship, in-law relationship. That could be a doozy. Um, cousins, uh, stepchildren, stepparent. So if you want to share your story about family hurt, the good, the bad, and the ugly, email me at underneath the hat at gmail.com. I'm excited because you're going to dive deeper into my family and meet some people and learn a little bit more about me and what makes up Sheree. So I've shared my church hurt and as a first lady. And so next week, I'm going to have two very special guests who are going to share more light about me. And we're going to share with you how we've overcome some family hurts. I am a firm believer. I don't want to hear anybody tell me or share with me somebody else's story and you're not willing to be transparent about yours. So before I bring a guest on here telling their business, I'm going to tell mine first. So again, thank you so much for joining me. Again, make sure you check out my book, Underneath the Hat, wherever books are sold, on Amazon, Books a Million, wherever books are, that's where you can find it, Underneath the Hat. Again, thank Jasmine Williams for joining me uh, so much. I truly appreciate her. And remember to check us out on Facebook on my Underneath the Hat channel. Make sure you subscribe and like the page. And you'll also find me on YouTube as well on the Underneath the Hat channel. I don't think I put that in reverse. But on YouTube, I have a channel Underneath the Hat. Subscribe and like. This episode will be available on this coming Saturday. On Facebook, YouTube, and on all podcast platforms. Anchor, Apple, Pocket Cast, um, Google, we're everywhere. So I want to thank you all for the support. And until next time, don't forget to take care of yourself. Where? Underneath the hat. I'll see you next week.